Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 2nd. Smile with your eyes, not only with your lips. <laughs> Very interesting. This is being recorded in 2020. God knows when it will be seen, what year it is when you're watching it. And I'm sure you know either because it's, you're seeing this in real time or because you know history. This is the time when so many of us have had to wear face masks like this, where the only thing that actually shows is your eyes. And in fact, we can't smile with our mouths. One of my friends who was dressing... Um, to commute to where to a few miles down the road, he put on his face mask, he put on his bicycle helmet, he put on his sunglasses, and he said, I'm going to have to learn to smile through my ears because <laughs> it was the only part of him that was showing. <laughs> and a lot of times when we've been communicating with each other with these, you know, masks on our faces against the virus, we have really had to learn to communicate a lot through the eyes. You know, it's... Um, it's a tr traditionally stated that uh, women in countries where they've had to cover their, where burkas and where the only thing that shows is their eyes, is that the women become extremely skilled in saying everything they want to say through their eyes. And there's a real reason for it. Swami's not talking either about burkas or about COVID-19 face masks. This was written long before, certainly before 2020, and it's just... He's talking in a completely different way. So let me talk about it from an interesting perspective. Um, there was a, a, a couple in our community of Ananda where I've lived for many years. And it was, a, it was an unusual match. And it, the, unfortunately, the marriage didn't hold together. And I was sitting at the dinner table with Swamiji and four or five other people who often spent time with Swamiji. And... Uh, it had come, you know, the, the, the news had gone through the community that the couples were separating. I said, you know, I'm sorry about it. They're both very nice people, but I'm not surprised. And then I told, told them this incident I'm about to share with you. Some time earlier, uh, the, the woman in the relationship and I had gone shopping, and there was a, a shirt that I picked out, I, I guess we were shopping for her husband, or we were just looking at clothes, I don't know. I pulled out this attractive sports shirt, and it was a style I thought he would like. And I said, this would be beautiful on your husband. I said, the, it's the same color as his eyes. She said, is it? She said, I'm not sure what color his eyes are. Now, at the time, I didn't say much. I mean, they had been married already for a while. But at the dinner table, I said, hard to imagine that you wouldn't know the color of your husband's eyes. Now, even now, I think there must have been some other explanation, but nonetheless, that's what she said to me. So we, we sort of, the conversation went on. Now, I, I lived closely with Swami Kriyananda for 45 years. I was closely associated with him. I met him when I was 24. I, I've known him for 50 years. I met him in 1969. It's been 50 years since I met him. He died in 2013. And so I, and his way of communication, he, he was not, uh, he, he, was, he was often explicit. 
but also there was often a kind of intuitive element to it that he he would have a res- an inner response or an intuitive response, but he wouldn't necessarily impose it on the room. So after I said that, we all, everybody at the table agreed with me, but I could feel that Swami, Swamiji was not in harmony. And it seemed like such an obvious thing, I wondered why he wasn't. So I, we sort of, I sort of tried to leave space in the conversation, and after a brief interlude, he said, I never notice what color people's eyes are. He said, I never look at their eyes, I look through their eyes. Now, it's a uh, common statement, the eyes are the window to the soul. But in fact, Swamiji's way of relating to all of us was not according to the, the physical body that we presented. He was always relating to the spirit that was behind that physical manifestation. Um, let's see, I'm going, to, I'm going to bookmark this and then I'm going to tell a completely different story that could also confirms that. When I met uh, Swamiji, I was 22 years old when I moved and started working for him and living in the community. I was 24. Um, Swami was 44, I believe, at that time. 46, probably, he would have been. He's 22 years older than I, I think. 21 years older than I. And, um, and there was a lot of difference between being in your early 20s and your early 40s. There's a lot of life experience in there. Swamiji had had a tremendous amount of life experience. He, was, he, he was, had a very cosmopolitan upbringing. He had a very fine education, things that I didn't have at all. Plus, he'd been working in a spiritual work. He'd been a, a, a world international lecturer, teacher, writer, all this. And, but for all the time that I worked with Swamiji, never once, and I, I don't, that's not hyperbole, never once, no matter how daft and callow my, my, my ideas were, and they were often daft and callow, believe me, he never once made the slightest reference to my age or inexperience. He just never said it. You know, he would work with me. He, would re- he respected me. He would help me to understand things better if I was really mistaken. But he never used his experience in my youth as a reason to, to assert his authority. Time passes. I'm 46. I'm working with people who are 20 years younger than me. Some of their ideas are daft and callow, as my ideas were at the time. And I could feel in myself the thought that I could end this conversation by declaring that I'm older and have more experience. But because Swamiji never did that with me, and as a consequence, I always felt respected and I always felt I had a voice, obviously, I needed to emulate the, my teacher rather than going off in a wrong direction. So when I really began to appreciate that, which of course was a lot later, I, the next time I saw Swamiji, the next time I was with him, I said to him, thank you, sir. I really, now that I'm in a comparable position, I, I really appreciate you know, how respectfully and kindly you, you treated me and how much it helped me to grow. And it was, again, it was one of those situations where he said, well, I'm glad, like that. But I could also feel that I was missing something. There was some, like, big piece of this that just wasn't connecting like that. And so I waited, and then he, he said, in reference to my age, he said, he said, first he said, you know, about age, he said, I never noticed. 
He said, age is the most trivial definition of a person. If you're thinking about reincarnation, if you're thinking that each, each body that you take is just the next chapter in a very big book, and the plot has proceeded up to the point where death comes to an old body and the same soul starts over in a new body, how old is that body? When uh, a, a girl in our school, when Swami came to visit our school once, and he, he was clearly an old man at that point, but his spirit did not seem like an old man, and she was just quite confused. She walked up to him and she said, How old are you anyway? She was about seven. And he just looked at her in his way, because he always treated children like people. He never treated them like children, same thing. He said, well, let's just put it this way. When I was a little boy, you were an old woman. And she had heard about reincarnation, or she already knew, I don't know. She thought about it for a minute. Oh, she said, and just walked away completely content like that. So what is age? It's the most trivial definition of who we are. Someone, you know, a newborn babe could be far more wiser and more highly developed than an old man. Just depends on what the karma is and who they are. All that happens when you're in a young body is you can't communicate. But that doesn't mean you aren't what you are. You just, all your intelligence, your full consciousness is there. You just have to learn how to communicate. So anyway, Swami said to me at that time, I never noticed. And then, I mean, I realized countless things, which is whereas I would discipline myself to have the right attitude, Swamiji had a different consciousness. His perception of reality was different. He just saw it differently. I would see a young person and I would be gracious to them. Swami would look at a soul and would respond to that soul's reality. The body they were wearing was no more important than the shirt I have on now. I mean, I'm not defined by the shirt I'm wearing. I'm just wearing it. It might make a certain positive or negative impression, but it's just the shirt I'm wearing. It's not me. So now from that, we'll go all the way back to where we were at the dinner table when I'm saying, how could a wife not know what color her husband's eyes were? Swami said, I don't know. And then we were sitting next to us was this woman named Seva, who had been with Swami since before Ananda was founded. She was one of his oldest friends with Jyotish and uh, uh, Jaya and others, a few others that he knew in those very, very early days before Ananda even started. Seva was, had been his, his right-hand right hand woman, right-hand man, whatever however you say that, his right hand, uh, for years. She'd helped him in countless ways. You know, Jyotish was on one side and Seva was on the other, and the two of them just really made Ananda happen. I'm just mentioning for those who know the names. Jyotish subsequently became Swami's spiritual successor, so his name is known. But he would see Seva every day. I mean, for years, he would see her every day. She was his driver, you know. Often she would be in the group that would travel with him. She was happened to be sitting next to him at dinner, and he said, I don't know what color Seva's eyes are, now, Seva, um, she had these huge, beautiful brown eyes. It was like her salient feature was these extraordinarily beautiful brown eyes. He said, I don't know what color Seva's eyes are. Then he leaned over and then in this kind of quizzical way, like he was sort of examining like a, a rare species of butterfly, he sort of looked at her. And you could see he was just shifting his perception. His perception had been to look through her eyes at her spirit. 
And so then he looked at her eyes and then to no one's surprise said, oh, they're brown. My goodness, you know, what a completely different way to think about reality. So what Swami's putting out here, which is a cliche in certain ways, smile with your eyes, what he's actually saying is give your consciousness to people. Because you can just move your mouth. You can say the right words. You can assume the right expression. But what is your consciousness behind that expression? Because, well, people are not stupid. And people are very intuitive, whether they know they're intuitive or not. And so what they actually feel is the vibration that you're putting out. So if you want to actually smile at someone, you have to give them smile consciousness. You can't just move your mouth into something that resembles a smile when your real self, which is in your eyes, if anybody's looking for it, now of course other people could be insensitive, but let's assume they're not. If they're actually looking for it, they'll feel it. And so what you think you're doing really rarely fools people. It rarely fools people. They know they know what you are really. And when you want to give goodness, which is what the intention of a smile is, what you're doing with your mouth is far less important than what you're doing with your eyes. Also, you can't lie with your eyes. Not, again, if the person in front of you is sensitive. And even if, you know, even if they can't see it, they can feel it. Because we're, we're all these vibrations mixing with each other. There's a lot of wonderful sort of advanced work these days. I think there's a Dr. Lipton, if I have the name correctly. I saw a lecture that he gave once, and he had all these pictures of your energy fields, what our energy field is, and how our energy fields are all on top of each other all the time. And so we're receiving, people are talking to us, but we're receiving their energy field. And the eyes are the window to the soul. So this is heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul. This is really where we can communicate much more than any other means. So if we really want to share with people and touch people, give them who you are through the window to the soul, and you'll find that all your communication will be far more effective than if you, if you don't know that that's really your most powerful vehicle. So Swami says, very simply, smile with your eyes, not only with your lips. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.